if you realize that you're doing something nobody ever did before, I mean, that creates, at least for you know myself, this enormous level of excitement. I mean, you know that uh, you're going into the territory which was completely uncharted. Nobody ever tried to unsmoke the world. Nobody ever tried to solve the problem of a combustible cigarette. The prime cause of harm generated by the smoking is the outcome of the combustion. Okay, when you burn the cigarette, when you burn the tobacco, you release the thousands of the chemicals. Many of those chemicals are, are very bad for the human body. If you eliminate the combustion, you actually can achieve a very, very significant reductions in exposures to the toxicants. And obviously, we remained very clear in our communications to the public, to the consumers, that the best way for anybody is never to start smoking. Obviously, if you smoke, I mean, the best choice you have is to quit smoking. But we do also have to recognize that, you know, many, many men and women just don't quit. And for them to change from the one product to the non-combustible, product requires changing your behavior. That's the voice of Jacek Olchak, the CEO of Philip Morris International, with his vision of a smoke-free world, which seems like something of a contradiction for the world's largest cigarette company. And it's a contradiction that has interested our special guest today, John Safran, the author of Puff Piece, How Philip Morris Set Vaping Alight and burn down the English language. Before we get to John, I want to thank Thomas Muller. He's the most recent Patreon subscriber. He took on the standing ovation $20 a month tier, and that is a very generous tier. There's also a $3 a month buy me a coffee tier, which I'm equally grateful to receive. But thank you, Thomas. That's extremely generous. I think there are 35 patrons on the Patreon site, which is patreon.com forward slash speakola, and another dozen or so that are making contributions not through Patreon, and you can find that at speakola.com forward slash donate. These membership or patron models for podcasts, they are popular because sponsorship is great, but, but not particularly lucrative. You get around about $50 per thousand downloads. So most people are looking for a way to have the listeners of the show support the show. And if you're willing to do that, like Thomas has, uh, it'd be really gratefully received and, and give me confidence that the thing has a future. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields. If you lay down with dogs, you get fleas. Fraud, sham, and hypocrisy. Change within the system. The hollow man of anger and bitterness all must be left to a bygone age. I understand victory. I understand sacrifice. Speak over. I may not get there with you. And we as a people will get to the promised land. Speakola with Tony Wilson. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Speakola podcast, episode 27. And a great episode, a bit of a different episode this time. Usually, our feature speech is something majestic, or at least a speech I love quite a lot. I guess this time it's more of a vehicle. I don't think anyone would say that JSEC Olchak's corporate messaging on YouTube about 
the glories of unsmoking the world ranks as a great speech. But it is interesting in a corporate messaging way, and it does seem to contain a rather large contradiction. Why is it that the CEO of the world's biggest cigarette company is talking about unsmoking the world? It doesn't seem to make any sense. And that contradiction is one that appealed to a man who loves contradictions. His name is John Safran, and he is a specialist at looking at intriguing riddles and often turning them on their head and finding the humour and finding the hypocrisy. And he's the perfect person to talk to about this apparent hypocrisy. He's written a book on the issue, in fact. It's called Puff Peace. It's his third book. He's written previous books, which include Murder in Mississippi, and it depends what you mean by an extremist. But he and I share a little moment of career synchronicity in the sense that John Safran began in the entertainment world on a show called Race Around the World in 1997, and then I did the same show in 1998, and John very regularly reminds me that mine was the series that rated about 10 points lower and killed the franchise, whereas his was an all-conquering triumph, according to him anyway. We then actually did a year on Breakfast Radio together. We were on the Melbourne community station Triple R on the Breakfasters program with our great friend Phoebe Squared, and we've remained friends throughout, and certainly I've remained a massive fan of John's talent, his satirical eye. He's just really funny. For those of us who have watched his work over the last 20 years in Australia, there's a, there are characteristics to the way he tells stories. He doesn't usually just put out facts like a journalist might, or even opinions like a newspaper columnist might. It's always more of an adventure you sort of enter John Safran land and go and do the weird and obsessive and slightly neurotic things that John might do to try to, to work out a greater truth. And that's really the case in this, in this fantastic book. This is such an entertaining 300-odd pages of investigation as John tries to work out why the world's biggest cigarette company wants to unsmoke the world. Speak Ola is a podcast for people who love words, and the website is as well. In fact, I try to put up a transcript with each speech because I get a sense that some people in the modern age like to engage with words on the screen or words on the page, and they do that better than they do just listening to something as it, as it flies past the eyes and the ears. And I think our sponsor at the Podcast Reader, they feel very much the same. And what they're committed to doing is to lay out in print transcripts of great conversations that have occurred in the world of long-form podcasting. Issue 3 is out now. And if you want to become a subscriber, you can go to podmag.org forward slash Speakola and enter the code Speakola and you get three months free of the PDF version of the magazine. But keep in mind there is a hard copy magazine. If you're someone who sits around and loves reading The New Yorker in bed, it might just be that the podcast reader is a great adjunct to that. So become a subscriber to the podcast reader, a great new innovation and publication that is out now.
So here's the interview with John. I thought rather than doing the normal speech of the week where I play the speech in full, because this one doesn't rate as a great speech, I've cut his speech up. I've stuck little snippets of the marketing spiel that appears on YouTube about unsmoking the world. And I've laid the snippets out next to sections of the chat that I've had with John. I do believe in speeches as a long-form art. I'm not going to get in the habit of cutting them up. I don't believe I'm being very fair to JSEC. And I welcome his emails of complaint. Yo, 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 it's Valour and Double O. Graffitiing on the Met ain't the way to go. (laughs) All right. Well, it's nice to have a friend on the Speakola podcast, someone I've known for many years now. We shared a desk on the Breakfasters show on Triple R, and John's even seen me give a speech at my wedding. Thanks for coming on, John. Hey, thank you very much um, for inviting me on to talk about speeches. It has made me think about speeches because uh, I did write a book about Philip Morris, but I didn't actually specifically ruminate over how they use the medium of speech, speech giving, you know, along with their other techniques to try to uh, give themselves authority and win over their argument. It's a very particular type of speech, the the corporate speech or the CEO speech or the marketing department speech trying to sell a corporate idea. Can you tell us about the unsmoke the world speech? Has there been one? I've certainly seen YouTube videos that tell the story of unsmoking the world, but has there been an actual speech? There's been several speeches uh, by Philip Morris that I've seen. So, yeah, Philip Morris's uh, What They Want to Sell the World or what they want you to think is that they're getting out of the cigarette business and they're moving into a health enterprise. And how can they possibly make that claim? They've got this new product that sure as hell looks like a cigarette and it's tobacco wrapped in paper with a filter at one end that you plant between your lips, inhaling nicotine and tobacco into your lungs. But their claim is that because the tobacco within it is only heated to an incredible degree as opposed to lit on fire, Therefore, this discharge that results from the heat isn't technically smoke, even though they will admit it contains smoke toxicants. But they're saying this isn't smoke, and therefore, because it's not smoke, we're moving away from smoking, so we're becoming a smoke-free company. And so, and they have to sell this very obfuscating. Did I? I'm sure I got some letters around the wrong way. Yeah, they, they have to sell this idea that just which is all lot lots of misdirection and lots of lies of omission and uh, and and giving the speech is is one I saw the vice president Marianne Seltzman at a <laughs> at a tech conference how much credibility do you lose as a speech giver if you sneeze um, in the middle? I guess uh, less than if you burp. But a- anyway, I saw one of their senior vice presidents give a speech at a tech and ideas conference. It, was, it wasn't a TED talk, but it was that vibe because there's a whole industry of tech and innovation talks all around the world I- I'm beginning to see where it's of advantageous to a, 
a brand to like attend and, and give a speech because there's some I don't know there's there's some sort of like authority about the medium of speech that makes it look like oh you're serious you're not just what people expect from you you even see that with uh entertainers like they give a speech at their old university or they just give a speech somewhere and it's somehow oh okay so this is not just this this isn't just your, your usual schmo this is a speech giver this is someone who knows how to give a speech. So there is something about the medium of speech, of giving a speech, I mean, that is obviously very helpful to a brand. Because I guess you associate speeches with academia, with conveying facts as opposed to conveying marketing. <laughs> and and it's almost like it's a bit of a trick in our mind as a listener, like, oh, well, this person's giving a speech, this uh, this isn't an ad. <laughs> but re- really, in the case of Philip Morris, it is an ad. I was born optimist, and uh, as I used to say, I was educated uh, uh, pragmatist through my life and all experiences. Obviously, when it comes to the times, your optimist might be tested, challenged on occasions, but I do believe if you have a big purpose, big objective in front of you, you stay on the course of your action, and uh, I think you can deliver on this, on this, on that vision. Every day I have a reasons to be even more optimistic than I, than I used to be. When I see a lot of people who are against us, who are very reserved, whoever they should uh, collaborate with us, and they change their minds. They look into our, into the facts, into our science. They realize how great opportunity than smoke the word. Strategy can bring to all of us, and they are supporting us now. Well, Jacek Olchak, when he gives his deliveries on unsmoking the world, talks all about, and it's always very good as a speaker to talk about your personal experiences and your your innermost character. And he talks about his his belief in himself as an optimist. He's on about being an optimist a lot, saying that he can achieve this, that it's a great dream, and his optimism and self-belief makes him think this can happen. Well, I, I, I did watch that. With them, there's so much, like, riddles within riddles and misdirection within misdirection. So they're endlessly fascinating. So let's try to unpick this. I, I don't... I don't we're unpicking this live in real time. Like, I, I don't know what the end of this unpicking is. But so he's saying he's an optimist because they're facing pushback to their idea of going to the future with this smoke-free world. And so it gives it kind of glosses around, well, why are they getting pushback? <laughs> like what he's actually saying is, you have people in public health, you have scientists, you have doctors and others saying, we actually think this new product you have is still going to give people lung cancer <laughs> and they're still <laughs> going to die. And we, think, yeah. and we think it's like a ruse, this whole thing of you saying you're going to this smoke-free future. And so that's why they're pushing back. But he's still an optimist. He can still look over those uh, bodies in the cemetery <laughs> and optimistically say, uh, no, this is all going to be good. So that's, that, yeah, there's, he's, there's so much trickiness going on, going on there. And John, when he's, 
Yeah, go on. Yeah, I was just going to say one of those naysayers is you. Yes. Uh, the people who are pushing back against him, you, the author of Puff Piece that does a 200 or 300-page investigation into this whole claim. Can you tell us about unsmoking? Like, what is this smoke thing? What is the semantic they're on about here? Because we obviously know that Philip Morris International sell the most cigarettes in the world. I think it's nearly a trillion, according yeah. to your book. So this idea of unsmoking, I think it immediately jumps out as strange to people. Sure. So, uh, so I, I, I'll tell you what's going on, and then then we can see their yeah. unsmoking through how they're having to misdirect from all of this. So the first thing that's going on is that across Europe, they've banned menthol cigarettes with an eye to banning all cigarettes, but they've actually gone through with that. So that's like incredible. That happened last year. So Philip Morris are like, oh, my God, mm. this is kind of a big deal. <laughs> We're going to get banned all across the world, our product. So they have to have some product that isn't a cigarette to get around this ban on cigarettes. So that's that's one thing. The Another thing that's up is that vaping is filling the hole. And so they have to come up with a product that's uh, like not vaping because they, they want to compete against vaping. So that they're sort of like two of the big pressure points they have to answer to. And so they've come up with this uh, thing that sure as hell looks like a cigarette, but they claim isn't a cigarette because uh, it doesn't uh, generate smoke, they say, because they say you have to actually light tobacco on fire for it to generate smoke. And if you're just heating it to an incredible degree – What's coming out of that thing that looks incredibly like a cigarette and looks incredibly like smoke isn't actually smoke. And so what is it? Well, they say it's aerosol, and but you look up aerosol in the dictionary and it gives examples of aerosols and one of them is smoke. <laughs> so just and also if you dig if you dig away enough into their their data that they've submitted, so their own stuff, because I've had to submit things to like the Federal Drug Administration in America, they will acknowledge there are smoke toxicants in this not smoke. But their argument is that there's there's far less of these dangerous toxicants in their not smoke <laughs> than, than in uh, smoke. So, yeah, so that, that's where it gets really messy. But here's the thing, just cutting to the chase, like going with my strongest foot forward, is that, they say, and they've built this whole misdirection around this idea that the most dangerous thing in, in a cigarette, a traditional cigarette, is smoke. That's what gives you lung cancer. And this new product, they call it a, a heat stick that, that you heat up in a thing called an ICOS. But anyway, this new product, they say it doesn't generate smoke. So therefore, it's gotten rid of the most dangerous thing that's in a traditional cigarette. So how can it not be uh, you know, le less dangerous. But here's here's the misdirection. Oh my god, it's so brilliant, and it took me ages to crack this misdirection. When they say the most dangerous thing in a cigarette is smoke, they're both telling the truth, and also doing like the most ingenious misdirection at the same time. Because the more precise truth is what kills you in a traditional cigarette is the tar in the smoke. Yeah. So therefore, the question really isn't, is this new product, does it, does it or does it not contain smoke? It's really, does it or does it not contain tar? And does it? And the answer is yes, it does contain tar. <laughs> so that, that's, how, that's how, like, 
It's such brilliant misdirection. And you, you really, if you want to examine like the power of language, you just have to look to Philip Morris. And, and no matter how smart you think you are, that like, like, because you sit there and you're watching, there's some ads for McDonald's saying it's a healthy meal choice. And you're like, um, yeah. bullshit, I can see through that. <laughs> Whatever you think you can see through, I'm telling you, Philip Morris are like 10 steps ahead. That was what was so stimulating about writing this book. It was like constantly trying to crack a, a mystery and crack the codes of everything. And uh, yeah, they're, they're really good. It's a good one, Philip Morris. Last year, actually, we have, you know, make uh, public our statement of purpose when we very clearly said that, you know, biggest impact PMI has on the society is to solve the problem of smoking of a combustible cigarettes. Uh, we said that our objective is to fully leave smoking combustible cigarettes behind, become one day a smoke-free uh, company. But we also take it very seriously as the leader in the industry. There is not only about Philip Morris become a smoke-free, but how we can transform the entire industry. Now, to achieve that, we need the collaborations with the governments, with uh, regulators, with NGOs, with the public at large actually in order to make these things uh, first you know being achievable but second being achievable in a very reasonable time I mean it's amazing they are masters and when and and if this is a lesson in corporate speech making I mean just the choice of words they use non-combustible all the time in this little address oh and, yeah and as you say smoke free and all the direction is towards this idea of smoke and even tar that you said in your book that they don't use the word tar now when they list the ingredients they use nicotine free uh, uh, nicotine-free tobacco product, uh, nicotine-free dry particulate. But actually, just another thing because that you've triggered in my head is that do you know another reason why they want to talk about a smoke-free future? Why? And and they're making it all like we've got to make the future smoke-free because at the moment, if with public health bodies, uh, whether that be the World Health Organization or American Heart Foundation or whatever, all of them. Do you, know, do you know what future they want? They want a tobacco-free future. Yeah. And and so they're doing this incredibly ingenious sleight of hand where they're they, – and they've literally said it. Our friend – what's his name? Our friend you were talking about there. Yeah, Jacek Olchak. <laughs> yeah, he's literally said he's going on World No Tobacco Day because every, every year there's a World No Tobacco Day done by the World Health Organization where they're trying to, you know, kill off cigarettes – and he said, oh, listen, I think it's time to move from World No Tobacco Day to World No Smoke Day. <laughs> and, and, we're look, and, and, and it's because it's ingenious. It's because at the moment, if it's World No Tobacco Day and if we're trying to fight tobacco, then Philip Morris is screwed because it's like their new product, their new not a cigarette that looks incredibly like a cigarette, just contains tobacco leaf. And... Uh, <laughs> And so it doesn't work. So they do this thing because if you're just a regular person, like, and you hear a oh, world no smoking day versus world no tobacco day, they just sound exactly the same. Yet in one, Philip Morris is screwed, world no tobacco day, and in the other, Philip Morris lives on, world no smoking day. They're very, they're very, very clever. It's so tricky, John. Because and, 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 and you, you identify. 
I was just going to talk about another tricky, so people get their head around their, the dance that they have to do. Because at the moment, so vaping, vape doesn't contain tobacco leaf. Uh, so you, you're you're sucking in a steam and it's got propylene glycerol, it's got nicotine. Nicotine can be extracted from tobacco leaf, so you can have nicotine without tobacco leaf or whatever, and contains other ingredients, right? So that's not saying vaping doesn't pose dangers, but it doesn't actually contain tobacco leaf. So therefore, people in favour of vaping can go, oh, the, the thing that's most deadly in a cigarette isn't in a vape. But Philip Morris can't say that about their new product because it does contain tobacco leaf. So that's another, like, this weird dance that they have to do to kind of imply that their product is, uh, is when, it, when it's convenient for them, they imply that their new product is in the world of vaping. They don't say it's actually a vape, but they say it's like, oh, you've got all these new things and this is part of it, right? But in the most significant way, like it's not, it's more like a cigarette than a vape because it contains tobacco leaf. And yeah. so they're, they're, they're very brilliant. And and the other word that they dance around is this notion of e-cigarette because you plug a vape into a wall to heat it up. So, when, so electricity is going through it, so e-cigarette. And this tobacco stick that philip morris has a new one the way you heat it up is you slide it into this device that you plug in you plug into a wall to charge so you can also say that's an e-cigarette even though in the most significant way it's different to a vape so so when there, if there's any ever any good news about vaping say a government authority says oh we think vaping is a valid form of um weaning yourself off cigarettes or a healthier version of something or other then philip morris comes out and goes oh we agree that <laughs> e-cigarettes are a healthier and they and they kind of define themselves as e-cigarettes to try to soak up the good news about vaping which they're not but then alternatively when the when because vaping sometimes gets really bad news like when kids dying of uh being sent to hospital in America because they've, they're having tainted uh, vape juice. Then suddenly they jump off the train. <laughs> suddenly they're like, oh, no, no, no. It's like our new product, you see, that's very different to a vape. That thing you've been hearing in the news about vapes, oh, yeah, yeah but our thing isn't a vape. So they 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 just they they're brilliant. It's, it's tobacco. It's old fashioned tobacco, <laughs> yes. like Grandpa used to pick. Yeah. Natural. <laughs> and so you said that there's. There's actually jurisdictions that are perfect for them where the, they win, they beat out vaping, and they're the only cigarette alternative with this cigarette heat stick ICOS thing. Somewhere like Japan is the ultimate utopia for Philip Morris. Um, and we're in a hybrid state, aren't we, aren't we, where it's sort of being battled out still here in Australia? Yeah, I don't think my book's going to help them. But the, the, so at the moment, there's like a grey area in Australia where you can kind of, I don't, you can kind of do what you want with vaping if if you sort of are willing to just like just do it. You know what I mean? Like, and and you you really there's no real evidence you're going to actually get in any trouble or whatever. So at at the moment in Australia, we're oh actually we're after October twelve or whatever. Okay, so I'll go back a, about a month or whatever, so before the changes. Yeah. So what, what happened is vape devices were legal in Australia to buy, to buy and sell in Australia, 
as was vape juice to buy and sell in Australia, with one exception where it had to be nicotine-free vape juice, which you can get. But m- most people who vape, they want to, they want the nicotine stuff. So what, what they do, there's either one or two options, or there were, which was all you do is order online from New Zealand or America and probably other places, and it's legal to import either just personal levels of, of, of nicotine juice for yourself to mix in or just to uh, import juice that's already got nicotine. So but, but, but that, that's what you had to do. And you could just do it. And technically speaking, you were meant to have a medical certificate, but no one did and it wasn't monitored. So and, and so it's like a huge, huge, huge industry. Does that make sense? It was yeah. kind of like a like you can't you can't buy it in Australia and you can't sell it in Australia, but you can sell it and uh, buy it from New Zealand, and that was to all intents and purposes legal, or at least not illegal. Yeah. But th- now they've done this new thing where what people think is happening is different to what's happening. So people think now you need a doctor's prescription from an Australian doctor and then you go to an Australian chemist and you can just get this uh, nicotine juice that you can put in your vapes or whatever. So that's what people – and so people think that, like, it's really been cracked down on, uh, vaping. Like, now you have to do it through this official body. But what's really happened, as I understand it, is you can still do everything you could do before, and now you've just got this other way of doing it. Like, if you're – if you really want to go on the straight and narrow and do everything by the book. But from what I've heard, you can just do exactly what you could do. <laughs> you could do one month yeah. ago. You can just order vape juice with nicotine from New Zealand. And uh, you're meant to have a, a doctor's certificate, but I'm not sure it's monitored. Like by way of comparison, I think it's like, I think the government trying to monitor this is like if the government said, okay, you're not allowed to import, you know, whatever, red lipstick anymore. Okay, fine, but what are you going to do? What are you going to, you're going to break open every contain, you know, every box from Amazon with the red lipstick or whatever? So it, it, it shall be seen as to how this actually plays out. And also if you get thrown in jail for importing nicotine juice, that yeah, then you can say John Sa- I heard a podcast John Safran saying this was okay. But as I understand it, John, the, the Philip Morris contraption, the kind of very fashionable-looking ICOS, looks a bit apple or something like that, um, it doesn't have that legitimate status yet. Yeah, I, like unlike vaping, the that has some form of legality in Australia, uh, the, the ICOS is, is prohibited. And I say that because... They've uh, submitted it to the Therapeutic Goods Administration to try to have it approved or ch- and change the change the law so heated tobacco products like theirs can be sold and they got a, a knockback. So even though even though vaping, there's a way to do it legally in Australia, this is still prohibited. But also like vaping, like you can really do what you want. Like <laughs> what's what's uh, what's someone at the border patrol going to do in australia if they see this thing that just looks like a pen or looks like a vape and it's it's all too hard 
So, although I, I have heard in other countries they're stricter. Where was it? Was it? It was either. I don't want to say where it was. It was one of the Asian countries. Maybe it was a Thailand. I forget where. But so, so early on in my book, a friend of a friend was going to try to get me one um, from overseas and bring it in, and they were stopped and saying, "Well, you can't import this." And yeah, so be very careful. De- definitely don't take my advice at all about. I, in fact, I'd like to retract all my advice of, "Hey, man, just do what you want, man," because you're going to be like in a prison, um, Chappelle Corby style. So uh, yeah, yeah. I, anyway, the long and short, yeah, I got one by some guy selling it from the boot of his car in Doncaster, Melbourne, in a car park at night, and he'd go to, I believe, Japan every few months. And then he'd just stock up his suitcase with these heating devices called ICOSs and then also the heat sticks, uh, which are the things you slide into the ICOS. These are the, the heat sticks are the things that look like cigarettes. Yeah, it was, quite, it was quite expensive. But, you know, I needed it for the book. So, yeah, I'm a badass. I've, I've got one, basically. Our objective for 2025 is to reach the 50% of the net revenues coming from the not combustible uh, products. Five years ago, we had zero revenues coming from a non-combustible products. This is a time when Philip Morris announced to the world that we want to go smoke-free. Nobody believed us. Very few people actually believe us that what we're saying is real, that we mean it, that we will deliver on that thing. Last year, we almost reached 25% of revenues coming from a non-combustible product. The 2025 objective of 50% is absolutely achievable. And when we all aligned behind the vision of our company, which is very well articulated in our statement of purpose, and we will get there. In addition to this, our objective is to become a carbon neutral at the direct operation uh, level by 2030 and uh, fully carbon neutral by 2050. It's a very bold objective, but the progress of what we have achieved so far makes me believing that they are absolutely achievable. Getting back to JSEC Olchak, he does he goes on and on about non-combustion. And so and you you're saying how much this looks like a cigarette. Can you talk about the issue of combustion and well, okay. whether it's true, whether it's a true statement that JSEC is making here to, that says that a lot of the pollutants, the health detriment comes as a result of combustion, that word. Well, here's the misdirection in the misdirection in the misdirection, uh, the, the Russian dolls of misdirection. So he says that when you light a cigarette with a match, or a, uh, a lighter, so it's lighting, so therefore this thing called combustion happens. And he says that combustion is what generates smoke. And then he says, so he says that seeing in this new device where you slide the heat stick, seeing it only heats it to an incredible degree, instead of you, you, like you don't light it with a match or a cigarette lighter, you just, it just gets heat, heated to an incredible degree. He says, therefore... It's not combusting. It's not catching a light, so it's not combusting. And therefore, it's not generating smoke. And then, then it goes on to like, and because it doesn't generate smoke, it smokes a deadly thing in a cigarette, and that's stuff we'll talk about before. But get this. I read about how does a cigarette work in an article in a journal by the American Medical Association. So totally legit stuff. And, and so th- this is how a cigarette works. And they said that, Smoke begins to generate from a cigarette 
not upon combustion, but upon it heating to an incredibly <laughs> high degree. So when you're lighting a cigarette, there's moments before it catches a light and combusts. I, I, I think the process is called pyrolysis. And according to the American Medical Association about how a cigarette works, it's at this incredibly heated stage of pyrolysis that the smoke begins to be generated from a cigarette. So therefore, for, it doesn't even scan or this whole story of, oh, well, a heat stick is only heated to an incredible degree and doesn't catch a light, so it doesn't combust, so therefore there's not smoke. Like, that doesn't even scan because that's what that's what hap- that's how gen- uh, smoke begins uh, to be generated in, in a traditional cigarette is by heating it to an incredible degree. If you realise that you're doing something nobody ever did before... I mean, that creates, at least for, you know, myself, this enormous level of excitement. I mean, you know that uh, you're going into the territory which was completely uncharted. Nobody ever tried to unsmoke the world. Nobody ever tried to solve the problem of a combustible cigarette. The prime cause of harm generated by the smoking is the outcome of the combustion. Okay, when you burn the cigarette, when you burn the tobacco, you release the thousands of the chemicals. Many of those chemicals are very bad for the human body. If you eliminate the combustion, you actually can achieve a very, very significant reductions in exposures to the toxicants. And obviously, we remained very clear in our communications to the public, to the consumers, that the best way for anybody is never to start smoking. Obviously, if you smoke, I mean, the best choice you have is to quit smoking. But we do also have to recognize that, you know, many, many men and women just don't quit. And for them to change from the one product to the non-combustible, product requires changing your behavior do you know what else is brilliant about his speech and about all these philip morris speeches is that you watch them they don't say this is safer they don't even say it's less dangerous they're very carefully they they say all this stuff that leads you to the impression that they've said that and they definitely don't say this won't give you cancer (laughs) um so So it's really ingenious if you want to, like, manipulate people. Like, because I guess you'd be thinking if you're writing a speech, I want people to think this. So I've got to, at some point, I actually have to say it. And then it's like, well, maybe you don't. (laughs) Because because, uh, our friend here from Philip Morris, he never says it's safer. Yet you you watch it and you're convinced that's what's happened. So I was going to say, Johnny uses the words... We want people to see the science. He often says to see the science. Yeah. And that the word science implies that scientists have looked at it and gone, this is better and safer and healthier. Yeah, yeah. You, you look at all their stuff. They never, they, never, they never say, and they don't say it for two reasons. One reason is they probably, if they started going down that path of saying it's safer, they won't be able to prove, <laughs> they won't be able to prove that. But then on top of that, even if they could prove it, they don't. They don't want this device to be a medical device, uh, like to, because if you say something safer, or or for instance, they, they don't even say this will help wean you off cigarettes because that's making a medical claim. They're saying, "Oh, this is a medical device that will help wean you off cigarettes." And um, as soon as Philip Morris does that, because they're making a medical claim, it's going to go down a, a, a particular strand in government regulation and. 
how you can sell it. Like, for instance, it's like, oh, okay, you're saying it helps wean you off cigarettes. So it's a medical device. So you should only be able to sell this in pharmacists and you need a doctor's prescription. They don't like Philip Morris don't want that at all. They want to be able to sell it at Coles and Woolworths and 7-Elevens and service stations. So that they've got to be really careful not to make any health claims because that's it's going to trigger all these things that they don't want if they make a health claim. And the, the two things being, just to repeat myself, the two things being people fact-checking their claim, <laughs> in which, <laughs> like, they'd probably fail. But let's say let's say it's true. Let's say it, it is safer. But uh, even if it is that, they can't say that because um, they're making a medical claim and that's going to end up with them not being able to sell it at the servos. I think, John, you say in the book they released a list of 50-odd, was it 57? 58, yeah. The particles PMI. or compounds... Yeah, this, this, this is how brilliant language and omission is. Again, I'm uh, great tips for if you're trying to convince people of something. It, it seems like so. So this is another thing we can learn. So often it's not the lie if you want to convince people of something. It's the omission of information. So just keep that in mind, all you wicked people trying to <laughs> write a speech where you are trying to manipulate things. It's like, it's not all about like a lie. Sometimes it's about omission. So how brilliant is this by Philip Morris, right? So they released this list. It's called the PMI, the Philip Morris International 58, where they tested 58 harmful and potentially harmful ingredients, constituents in cigarette smoke and compared it with the discharge from this new product of theirs, the ICOS heat stick, right? And so, and in all 58 cases, they tested everything from carbon monoxide to mercury. And in all 58 cases of these constituents that they tested, they they appeared lower in the new Philip Morris product and sometimes significantly lower. So therefore, how can it not, how can you not conclude that this is safer, healthier and and this is how, this is their ingenious uh, little trick. This is, this, uh, is that there's more than 58 harmful and potentially harmful constituents in cigarette <laughs> smoke and in this heat stick discharge. So they just cherry pick like so many more and they just cherry pick the 58 that showed up at a lower rate in their new product and they ignored all the ones that showed up, showed up at a higher rate in this new product, sometimes significantly higher. So, yeah, another good trick for your speech about how to... Ah, um, JSEC, you got us again. But also, notice how, like, by even saying the PM... Like, them talking about how it's it's got a lower rate of these particular constituents, that is them saying this new product is healthier without them actually saying it. Yeah. Because, like, health authorities can't get onto them and kind of go... Oh, okay, you're making some claim this is safer. So now you're saying it's a medical product. So now we're going to put it down that through that strand of regulation. They can go, no, 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 no not at all. We just kind of casually, you know, like we never actually said it. And that there's all these in between, or at least there's like in between people, like advocates, and they say what Philip Morris can't say. So it's, it's, it's really brilliant. So, so sometimes I, I got confused because I thought Philip Morris were making these medical claims. Like, for instance, this will help wean you off cigarettes. But when I went back, I saw that's not true. What happened is Philip Morris don't quite say it. And then these middlemen who don't work for Philip Morris, they say it. And uh, therefore, 
they can get away with it because they're not um, constrained like Philip Morris is from uh, making hyperbolic claims. Uh, it's amazing. And, and you're pointing out just how good they are with language or bad they are with language if you want to look at various moral arguments. And one of the delights of reading Puff Piece, your book, is that they feel like an adversary. They feel like, you know, you can never capture them. They're in the corner and they'll always get away. It is it's a lot of fun to read. Oh, they'll always win. Oh, no, they'll always win. I mean, this is how brilliant they are. Even their whole launch product is a misdirection where they've launched this thing, the ICOS, which is this heating device, and it's nice and shiny and looks thing, and they talk about how it heats and, you know, and they talk about... You know, it charges like nothing you've ever quite seen before and everything like that. And then they just really just cough into their hand like, and go, where about the heat stick? Where they just go, and anyway, so you put a, 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 a tobacco unit in it. And they just call it like a tobacco unit. And and they're just like, like they hide that within one sentence. And everything else is about this shiny device, the ICOS. And that's a misdirection because... It's this the tobacco unit, i.e. the thing that looks in, exactly like a cigarette or incredibly like a cigarette. Like that's the salient point. Yeah. And and it's like because if they were to concentrate their launch on that and go, hey, look at this. Look at this heat stick. It's really great or whatever. Everyone straight away is just going to go, hang on, that just looks like a cigarette. <laughs> so they've done this whole launch of the, the heating of, you know, the device that heats this to sort of like draw your eye around from that fact. So, so their whole launch is a misdirection. They're, they're, they're so brilliant. And I, I don't even know what the reference point is for their brilliance because, I, I mean, I know companies are always do, up to shenanigans, but this is like something new and it's, it's so brilliant. And like, like they've, got, they've got competition. They've, there's two other big tobacco companies, British American Tobacco and Imperial Brands, and they're far less clever than this. Like you talk to them and they just kind of mumble out like, Oh yeah, we've got all sorts of new products, and um, yes, for people who still want to smoke cigarettes, we'll have those. But we're looking to next generation products, so the consumers will get like they've, they've just they all just sound a bit more sloppy, like or <laughs> a bit less maniacal or whatever. But and in fact, one of the funny things for me, this wasn't in the book, but uh, because Philip Morris keep on denying that this thing this heat stick that you slide into the device is a cigarette they're like oh god knows it's not a cigarette god knows this thing god knows this tobacco wrapped in paper with a filter at one end that you plant between your lips inhaling nicotine into and tobacco into your lungs god knows that's not a cigarette right so anyway there's always going on about that then i went to lunch with i think it was imperial brands which is, uh, I don't know exactly, I've forgotten exactly what their products are, but they're, they're one of the other big product companies. And they're also working on, they've also got a device that is like their version of the ICOS that we've just been talking about. And uh, they show it to me and, and they're, they're going, anyway, so we've got this device there, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, so what you do is you take this cigarette and, and, you, and you put it into the, the device. So their competitor even goddamn just calls this a cigarette. You know what I mean? So that's how, um, that's how much shenanigans Philip Morris are up to. But, but they got away with it, didn't they? Like the, the ban happened on menthol cigarettes and it didn't catch menthol versions of the heat stick, did it? 
Oh, yeah, that's amazing. It, it's amazing. There was like menthol cigarettes banned all across Europe last year. And then Phil Morris, they, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we'll ban them. And they stop production on them. And they're like, oh, yeah, um, I've got this new thing, a heat stick. And, um, yeah, they got away with it. So you can just buy menthol heat sticks all across Europe. So, and they're so brazen. I really respect them in a way. They're so audacious. Nothing's ever audacious enough for them. It's like they get away with one thing and they have to push it a bit further. So they leveraged, they leveraged the, the, the attention that was like menthol cigarettes are now banned. They used that day to promote, oh, we've got even more like, We've got four new kind of variants of our menthol heat sticks. So not only did they get away, uh, get around this ban, they leveraged the ban and the attention it was to promote their new menthol heat sticks. They are just so freaking brilliant. And also in America, uh, people might have heard that American governments, I think maybe the Federal Drug Administration or anyway, some branches of the American government are saying we're going to crack down on vaping and and vaping may be made illegal in some regions. It may be banned. And uh, you might think that's bad for Philip Morris, but like what's left out is that maybe last year or the year before, Philip Morris, after a, a long time, lots of lobbying and everything, they've, they've had their... ICOS and heat sticks, which is this new product we've been talking about, they've had that permitted by the Federal Drug Administration. So that's permitted. So if vaping is now banned in America or in parts of America, that's like Philip Morris have already got in the castle and now they're pulling up the draw <laughs> the drawbridge because yeah. this thing isn't um, going to ban the ICOS or the heat stick. Having said that, this how much, uh, I mean, def definitely like, Maybe the socialists are onto something or the communists are onto something because for the first time, uh, ICOS is facing a huge obstacle in America where there's been a court. A court has said, Philip Morris, you cannot uh, sell this heat stick and you cannot sell this ICOS. And so it's still up in the air because, you know, all these court things, they just drag on forever or whatever. But guess what triggered that? Guess who managed to stop the ICOS and the heat stick in America uh, after like the, uh, the heart found their heart foundations, the world health organization, all of those, they couldn't stop the heat stick, Google, the heat stick and the, <laughs> and the icons in America. No, you're getting, I don't know if you're getting close, but you know, guess it, it was the makers of camel cigarettes. Cause they went <laughs> to a court and said, they've ripped off this icons heat stick idea from us. They're breaking our, uh, our copyright. And so, therefore, the court said, oh, well, you can't break the camel cigarette people's um, copyright. So, therefore, yeah, we're going we're to make you put a hold on it. So, camel cigarettes managed to achieve what the World Health Organization couldn't do, like put a stumbling block in front of ICOS and the, and the heat stick. I don't know if the makers of camel cigarettes got uh, – yeah, they're, they're RJ Reynolds, and I think they're also, but I think they're underneath one of the other ones. I forget which one. I don't want to say because I'll just be getting factually wrong. But yeah, they used to, there's some real old or relatively old material where one of the other big uh, cigarette companies is basically telling the puff piece story, but as a cigarette company, like it might be like 10 years ago or seven years ago or something like that. It's when Philip Morris is still floating their heated tobacco icosting or whatever and the other cigarette company is saying basically what i'm saying but without a lisp 
and with less jokes. <laughs> they're going, but they're, they're going. But they're, they're the same. They're like, so, 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 a Philip Morris is saying that they've got this new product and that it's not a cigarette. But it is a cigarette. But it's like that's exactly what one of the other cigarette companies was saying. So, um, but yeah, yeah it's but, me and the other cigarette companies against Philip Morris. But Philip Morris have, have cleverly worked out that to sort of feel like you're on the side of health is is a better side yeah. to be on than feeling like you're on the side of big tobacco. And there's no end to what lengths they'll go to on that front. I mean, you mentioned in Puff Piece that there's ads and billboards and, and organisations where you just see them and go, oh, good stuff, Vic Health, you know, and it, and then you dig a little deeper and it, there they are. It's it's JSEC again. It is. It's got damn <laughs> Philip Morris. But there they are. This is how brilliant they are at, at their rhetoric, right? First of all, just so you know, they're still pushing traditional cigarettes wherever they can. They sell just shy of one trillion cigarettes a year, right? So even that part of the story is not – like even if their new thing really was, oh, this isn't a cigarette. It's like, well, hang on, Philip Morris, how do you explain that you're still selling the ones that you admit, uh, like a trillion of them all over the world? So they're, st they're still pushing and pushing and pushing them wherever they can, and it's only in places like th this new future of smoke-free um, – that, that's for places like in Europe where they're, they're, they're seeing bans being put up and in America there's bans being put up. And, and also just for places where cigarettes have become socially unacceptable. Um, so so that, that's where Philip Morris are, point, uh, are, are pushing these new products, right? But then get how, get how ingenious they are. So they say they've got this new product that they claim isn't a cigarette and it's their flagship, their new flagship product. They claim it's not a cigarette, right? And so they can say they're trying to move people off cigarettes onto this, yeah. even though it's a cigarette. But let's just go along with their reality. It's not a cigarette. That means they can tell staff, you're not working for a cigarette company. You're working for a company that's trying to get people off cigarettes. Yeah. And so, like, if you work for one of the other cigarette giants, you have to – you're like, I work for a cigarette company. You don't have that option. But at Philip Morris, they have convinced you that you're not working for a cigarette company. And can I stress, this is the trillion cigarettes sold a year, people. <laughs> but you're not working for a cigarette company. You're working for a company that's trying to get people off cigarettes because of this new device, which they say isn't a cigarette. And so you have people who work there. And I, I know this sounds crazy, but I promise you it's true. It's like younger ones, and they think they're part of a social justice mission where it's like you have the World Health Organization and you have like Quit Victoria and you have Philip Morris and all three are trying to get people off cigarettes. And and it, because they have in-house, you know, little conferences and workshops and stuff where where that's what you're made to believe. And they, they even think that they're better in some ways than – the World Health Organization, because with their eye costs and their heat stick, they're providing a practical way for people to ease themselves off cigarettes and not being impractical, like the World Health Organization, who's just like, yeah, just quit and isn't giving them any help. The last five years of my career in Philip Morris, I am almost 30 years with Philip Morris, or presumably the most meaningful, but the most also rewarding and exciting. Where you're working on something which is really new to the world when you know that uh, 
that you're doing this for the first time. Nobody ever come with the, such a bold objective of put the smoking, put the combustible cigarettes behind and do this as the still today combustible company. That's very rewarding that, you know, you come up with the vision, you come up with the strategies and you see these executions bearing already the fruits and, you know, you gain that motivations every day to do more, be faster, be bolder in your actions. And, and you, you mentioned in the book the staff members you met and there's elements of watching JSEC deliver this speech that, well, you feel like he kind of believes it as well and it's all almost emotional, you know, the journey they're on and, and the gift that... The, that they can give the world. And, and, and you say that, that you watched the initial video, and I've just watched that as well, which is, you know, this old, this nice-looking old kind of German guy sharing with the other engineers who built the early prototypes of the ICOS. They're kind of gazing lovingly over them, talking about this technological journey that they've been on to create this beautiful item. How much of it do you think is believed? Certainly at the top, this all must be deliberate, right? The, the, the obfuscation and the, and the manipulation. Yeah, I think so. Well, I think a, 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 like a big part of it is they have to have a story to tell shareholders because shareholders are panicky. Oh, my God, is this the end of cigarettes? So this ICOS story gets to be a character in their storytelling of, hey, look, guys, investors, We've got a we've got a plan for when cigarettes are banned, and on top of that, this is a unique device, so it's not going to be easily replicated. So, and it because it's different to vaping, because because that's a thing people have asked me a lot. It's like why doesn't Philip Morris just get into vaping? And it's it's because they want a unique product. And why do they want a unique product? <laughs> because they can tell the story to shareholders that hey, look at us, we've got. Um, we're, we're the future in this post-cigarette world, and we've got this product that only we can do. Because if you're an investor, I think, I, I think you like the idea that Philip Morris is sticking with tobacco as opposed to moving out of tobacco. Because, again, it's just it's a nice story. And, you know, it's, it's, it's them saying they've got a, you know, a, a, unique, uh, a, a, a unique product that's going to answer the problem of what, what's going to happen in this post-cigarette world where cigarettes are banned. Was that your question or did I just answer whatever yeah. question I wanted and didn't answer the question <laughs> at all? No, and you mentioned shareholding. You became a shareholder through this process. John, you're, you, you've got your Philip Morris shares now? Yeah, I still do. But I, to be fair to me, I haven't disinvested from them, not because I'm being maniacal. It's because it was hard enough to buy the shares in the first place and now I, I – but but I was highly motivated to do it because I thought it would be good for the book, like because I'm like then my character is like a jerk, <laughs> like putting money into Philip Morris while fighting against him. And also, it was it was going to be a way for me to get to their annual general shareholders. It became conference calls because of COVID or whatever. But I got to be phone into their financial calls, which was great, and that's where. And yeah, you definitely got a different story there than they're pitching in their uh, beautifully shot black and white videos. There they just, there they just brag about all the money that they're making from cigarettes as well, and like it's just nothing. <laughs> I, I, yeah, <laughs> it's a totally different story. Like for instance, like the first time I, I listened into one of their conference calls as a shareholder, they brag like they open up with how great Melbourne is going because. They've got this new promotion. 
in where if in America, if you, I don't know, under the, the lid of the box, you can get a token. And then if you type in the numbers of these tokens, enough of them into your online, they'll send you like a Melbourne belt buckle or whatever. And that's, that's what they open with. That's what they're, they're opening with how great it is that they're selling so many Melbourne cigarettes because, you know, people are really liking this idea of getting Melbourne belt buckle. They're not, they're not opening with like, oh, our smoke-free future. We, we want to save the lives of everyone. <laughs> But anyway, it was very hard to buy the shares, especially for someone who's as amateur as me, because you just think in this world, you know, where you just press that button on your computer and pay everything through PayPal all the time. And it's like, oh, how hard can anything be? It, it was goddamn hard because they're not on the Australian stock exchange. They're on the US, the New York stock exchange, which just meant you need all this paperwork and like you need to just scan in these documents and proof you had a company. And then but it was like... It was really unfair thing. I really all I wanted to do was give a cigarette company money. You think it would have, it would have been easier? And, uh, and 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 but luckily I had a friend who like knew about this stuff. And then my dad also helped me because he used to, you know, he owned shares and things or whatever. So I finally was able to do it. But anyway, so now that the book's over, I still got the shares. I think I've made about um, I put in just shy. Of, I think I've put in about two thousand Australian dollars into half of that went into philip morris international and half of that went into altria which is philip morris usa's parent company and i think i've made about i've got had a 15 percent return on that that's not bad is it you're flying john and you understand the corporate (laughs) structure of philip morris and I, i did laugh in the book as well that they're not they're not afraid to uh be a different company when they're required to be oh yeah they're so good. One of my favorite things about Philip Morris, it was annoying at first, but then I loved it, is it's unbelievable. It's un- They get offended by when, when like, like when someone <laughs> says, like, there's, like, some reasonable attacks. Like, like they, they don't just go, oh, no, no, you're wrong, or this is what you're wrong. It's like, how very <laughs> dare you accuse us, Philip Morris International, <laughs> of being shifty. <laughs> they're always like offended so like, probably their best i'm offended thing is that they have a go they they start they do this thing i'm like it's so slippery it's it's even hard to explain so that so what happens is on paper philip morris international is a different company to philip morris usa yep. because they split they split in two at some point because basically they wanted to avoid from what I, my book doesn't go into this, so I don't know too much about it. But I think at some point, Philip Morris decided that they were going to try to protect themselves because there was all these lawsuits happening in America. It's like, okay, let's divide the company into two, because then, then, then if we, then if we're sort of like brought down, they're only going to be able to bring down the, you know, the American arm of it, and we're off in Switzerland with Philip Morris International. So I think some version of that is why they split in the first place. But regardless, so, that, so now there's two different versions. There's Philip Morris USA under this company called Altria, and then there's Philip Morris International. But both sell Melbourne cigarettes. Yeah. So, you know, one in one across the world, one in America. Both sort of like distribute the ICOS and the heat stick, just one across the world, you know, Philip Morris International, and then one in America, you know, the Altria or whatever, right? So, so they're the same company. They're just different on paper, right? Then – 
So Philip Morris International on their Frequently Asked Questions page, where they act, just act insulted by all the insults that they get, they go, <laughs> some of our critics are saying that we market our cigarettes in the USA and uh, and the, and you know cuz they're saying well how how can you be sincere that you're trying to wind down cigarettes if you're still marketing cigarettes in the USA we'll ha- we'll have you know we at Philip Morris International do not market cigarettes in the USA huh <laughs> <laughs> so then it's like okay what the hell's going on there it's like yeah Philip Morris International doesn't market cigarettes in the USA but you know who does Philip Morris USA <laughs> And Philip Morris International market cigarettes all across the world except for the USA. And they have the audacity to spin that as being offended. Philip Morris being offended. How very dare you say we, we, we market our cigarettes in the USA. They're, they're, they're shameless. They're brilliant, though. I really like them. What's their health organization? The one where you look at it and you think it's like Vic Health the, with the big billboards Oh, there's, there's like the foundation for a smoke-free world. Like if you said <laughs> yeah. to people, what's that? What's the foundation for a smoke-free world, right? And I, people would just not really think about it. Oh, it must be some, I don't know, some government thing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the World Health Organization. It's, it's, Philip, it's 100% funded by Philip Morris International. But they pitch it as a, a, non, you know, like a non-profit because it is. It's a non-profit. That's a hundred percent sponsored by Philip Morris International. That has the kind of the veneer that it's uh, just a regular anti-cigarette uh, non-profit, like maybe the World Health Organization or Quit Victoria. And they do that so therefore they can they do this thing where they've got a, a, a kind of a Shadowland mirror of a of an anti-smoking campaign going on, where it it looks exactly the same, but the difference is that. They'll promote, or they won't demonize at the very least. They won't. They'll try to like sort of promote or head you towards the direction of of the heat stick and the icos is part of is a really good part of the strategy of getting people off cigarettes. Whilst obviously, if you're quit Victoria, you're not going. Oh man, Philip Morris has got this new product that looks exactly like a cigarette, yeah. and we really recommend you get onto this because get off cigarettes. So that they're really. They're really super duper clever. I actually thought there's some things like, like after you print the books printed, you're like, oh, why didn't I follow that up? Maybe I couldn't have. But there was at one point. I don't know why I forgot this. There was at one point where I was thinking, because Philip Morris, this thing, the foundation for a smoke free world, which is a hundred percent sponsored by Philip Morris. So both the foundation for a smoke free world plus Philip Morris just go. Listen, it's not our fault. We're the only ones who've donated. Like they try to make out the foundation for a smoke-free world. It's like true, like triple R public radio or something. And, hey man, so we just we just rang up right, and you know, so the, and you know the person at the foundation for a smoke-free world was like just sitting there in their little office with the violent femmes posters behind them. <laughs> they said, yeah, yeah, we'll take your donation. It's, it's like it's such an incredible amount of money. I think it used to be like sixty million dollars, but I think it's gone down recently. But um. Regardless, I was thinking to myself, but it was too late because the book was already printed. I was going, oh, if they're saying anyone can donate, why don't I donate? So why don't <laughs> that'd be really cool if the foundation for a smoke-free world 
was at the moment 100% sponsored by, funded by <laughs> Philip Morris International. He's like funded by Philip Morris International plus John Safran, who kicks in his own 15 bucks a month. <laughs> and then I could demand. Oh, that would be so funny. They're so sneaky and they're such a good adversary. I, I love the one. I love the one in New Zealand as well. Tell us about that one. Oh, yeah. So the Foundation for a Smoke-Free World, which we've just been talking about, they 100% fund. So this is Philip Morris 100% funding an organisation. That's 100% funding this other organisation, which is an Indigenous health organisation. So it's run by yeah. this Maori woman. And they their angle is that the government shouldn't be trying to – or the, the government's got to be very careful about trying to run campaigns to have to lower the smoking rates amongst Maori people because in New Zealand, Maori people smoke at three times the rate of non-Maori people, and there's obviously all the deadly, fatal health consequences of that. But so this Indigenous health organisation, 100% funded by Philip Morris International, their angle is that the government... So it's two things. It's like the government should be very careful about telling Maori people what to do through their anti-smoking campaigns because, and also the other side of it, the Maori people, for instance, should be able to smoke this ICOS and this heat stick or do whatever they want because it's up to them or whatever. So this whole thing's framed through this. I mean, I mean, I know this is going to sound bizarre to some people. It's, so it's framed through this thing of that that when like the New Zealand government does a campaign trying to encourage Maori people to stop smoking cigarettes. They're be that's like Captain Cook colonize like telling indigenous people what to do. And so so in this reality, public health, what the you know, the anti-smoking campaigns run by the government in New Zealand, they're like Captain Cook and they're like colonizers. They're like white people telling indigenous people to what to do because Indigenous people should be able to smoke cigarettes or get on the ICOS because that's them showing Indigenous sovereignty sovereignty and doing what they want to do and not what the white outsiders want to do. And uh, somehow in this, I don't know how, and don't ask me to explain it, so in this, because it, 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 Philip Morris are Eddie Marbo or something like that. I don't know how it all works, but yeah. <laughs> but isn't it clever rhetoric? Because when I kind of tell that to people, I can tell people are like on board with like, oh yeah, I want to lay the boots into Philip Morris, but because we're just because of the moment we're living through at the moment, where um, everyone's correctly, everyone everyone's very uh, sensitive about these matters around about around colonization, around race, about around Black Lives Matter or whatever. That it kind of even me say, saying their argument in the most sarcastic way, <laughs> yeah. and you know pre preload it preloading it with. Oh my God! Can you believe they're using this manipulative rhetoric? Is I reckon people are like listen to that and go, well, oh yeah, John. Well, why? Goddamn, they are. It's like why? Where does where does this a New Zealand anti-smoking uh, campaign sort of get off telling Indigenous people what to do? But to be absolutely clear, to, for you people who might be thinking that, th there's many. Indigenous, there's other Indigenous health organisations and Indigenous individuals, obviously, who think this Philip Morris uh, funded uh, Indigenous health centre is like a total, 
you know, really shifty. So, so, it, yeah. so yeah, it, it's, it's not like this Philip Morris-funded Indigenous health organisation is like, yeah, Indigenous people around New Zealand are all like, yes, finally someone who talks for us, Philip Morris International. So, but having said that, it wasn't, and this is all in the book because I like putting all the tangles in the book, is that I did um, speak to Indigenous people, uh, one who runs this organisation, but also one who doesn't run the organisation, just an individual dude. And they're like, well, why would we not want to take money from Philip Morris International? It's like money from anywhere is tarnished. And, you know, when you're Indigenous, money from the government's kind of tarnished in a way because the government has just screwed over Indigenous people. So from that perspective, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily seem like as melodramatic taking money from a big corporation, even one like Philip Morris International, because if you take money from the government, it's also like tarnished money because of the history of colonisation. And obviously that's got its own all tr- a tree and tangles in it or whatever, but I, I'm just throwing that out there. Like that, 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 that was like a, a perspective that was there. It is interesting that, that you talk about the kind of generational obsessions and, and, we left school in the late 80s and you know we were young in the 90s and there's that there was that sort of obsession with no logo and corporations being the evil bugbear I, I guess and we were all onto them you know you're trying to use us and and even just talking about this story here with with the way it can be spun by Philip Morris so you argue in the book that there's kind of been a shift in emphasis yeah well that that's one thing i learned throughout the book where like when I started, because we just have our own world that we live in, in our own minds. And you just, it takes a while for you to realize, oh, maybe I'm in a bubble. So, so the, 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 the most surprising bubble I found out that I was in is that because I'm generation X and when I grew up, like when I was young and into activism, corporations were seen as the most, the, the explanation as to why there's problems in the world. Corporations run everything. And it's even like, Governments are even bad because they're at, they act at the behest of corporations. Like corporations are just seen as like the ultimate top of the pyramid reason why there's so much problems in the world, you know, from poverty to pollution to everything. But then, then I noticed whilst researching this book that maybe that's like something from my generation and like the backdrop to the world has moved on. So if you're like a young version of me, you're not necessarily thinking that corporations are the reason there's all this evil in the world. Like, uh, and, uh, like, like, and I use an example in my book, because obviously it is a very slippery, kind of hard to pin down point. But I, I use the example in the book of that um, after the, the, there was some um, like Black Lives Matter protests. And then I heard that Nike were we're going to do an advertising campaign with Colin Kaepernick, that uh, American, American football, football player. Yeah. That I was like, oh, my God, this is, like, so on the nose. Like, this is going to crash because it's going to be seen as such bad taste exploiting Black Lives Matter to sell sweatshop sneakers. <laughs> like, like, they're going to get pummeled on Twitter. Like, everyone's so offended by everything these days. Like, Nike's going down, and Colin Kaepernick is going to go down. And then, like, it happened. Like, these posters are put up with uh, 
stand up for everything or whatever the hell it was, just do it, and Colin Kaepernick really leveraging Black Lives Matter. And no one seemed to really, like in this world where everyone cares and is offended by everything, Nike got away with it. And it was, <laughs> yeah. they were seen as, they, it wasn't seen as poor taste or exploitation or whatever. And I did contrast that to when I was at university where there was this mass protest against, I think, in, I reckon it was 1999, and there was like this mass protest against the World Trade Organization. And everyone's forgotten about this, but these this was like protests around the world that were as big as the Black Lives Matter ones are now, as big as the Vietnam War ones back then, right? And so it was like young social justice people wanting to address the problems with the world. And in this, not only was it all aimed at corporations, but Nike was seen as the ultimate villain of the corporations. And yeah. so uh, Nike stores were particularly targeted. So in uh, I think in Seattle was the big one, and and and, and Nike was particularly targeted, as a, even as opposed to Adidas or whatever, because yeah. they were seen as the ultimate peak of the pyramid of the cynical corporation that's the reason why the world's so bad. And so I just realised contrasting those two things that like life has moved on and for young people, the kind of people who are on Twitter and into social justice, they, they, they don't see the world that way. They, they do not see corporations as the ultimate villain that explains the evil in the world. And Philip Morris gets to benefit from this because all eyes aren't going to necessarily be on corporations and, and, and so they can release their new product, the ICOS and just sort of, slip it on in and it's not kind of seen as something evil from an evil corporation because Philip Morris managed to sidestep all the like all the landmines that will will gather your attention like for instance I talk in my book about how as a Philip Morris executive if someone found uh Instagram photo of a Philip Morris executive on a safari in Africa and they've shot a lion and they're standing proudly above the lion. Like that would be, that would be like disaster. It'd be like PR disaster for the executive. Maybe they'd lose their job. PR disaster for Philip Morris. They'd have to be chasing their time. Like, yeah, but listen, we, we, we like lions or whatever. And so that would be a disaster in 2021. But you can be a Philip Morris executive doing what is being done to lions, but to people, like kill them. And then suddenly, suddenly, like that doesn't stand on this landmine as a kind of a cultural, moral faux pas, like other things. Blah, blah, blah. And that's the reason I love, I love this book. And I, I thought it told a really interesting story that wasn't being told. I mean, even looking at the speech that I've been referring back to, JSEC's speech, I think it's had like 3,000 views or something. And you'd think for something as significant as someone trying to push smoking to one side to replace it with aerosol, that it would it would be viewed. And yeah. even the, the ad that you first watched that got you interested in this story, I think it's had 30-odd thousand views. And you were telling me that when – this happened when they launched the ICOS site. There was no mention on Twitter or something like that. Just, just roundly ignored as a story. People genuinely do not care about the biggest killer in the world. Yeah, it's yeah, it's uh, uh, yeah. On, on the day that Philip Morris last year pulled off this shenanigan of menthol cigarettes are being banned today, 
And oh, by the way, there's this new product. So they'd got away with it. There was not only wasn't there an article about it, there wasn't like a tweet. Yeah. There's, there's, there's so little, like the stuff in my book isn't like, oh, I read this New York Times article. It's totally been sidelined as a story because, I, and I, I think there's a bit of people don't care about it as a story, but I think also another bit of fluke, which just proves God loves Philip Morris, is that because there's controversy over vaping, that Philip Morris have been able to sort of get lost in that a bit, where, where like if you're a journalist writing a story about vaping, you think you've covered this story about Philip Morris as well when you haven't. <laughs> and in fact, Philip Morris are using vaping as one more kind of cloud of obfuscation, obfuscation. <laughs> Philip Morris releases press statement. Mr. Saffron can't even pronounce obfuscation. <laughs> yet he's telling us what we should be doing. The um, so it, it's been it's been lost in that too. It really is incredible. It's like they got to set up. They had their ICOS and heat sticks permitted in America, and on top of that, they started building brick and mortar ICOS stores in America. So this was their their backs against the wall. They might die as a business. This is them. My God, we survived, you know, from the jaws of defeat, victory or whatever. And no coverage of it because eyes were all on kids dying of vaping. Um, so don't blame me. Don't blame anyone but God because God loves Philip Morris. He's always cutting them a break. Thanks a lot, God. <laughs> well, God gets many mentions in the book and you do your, do your normal visits to, you see, Father Bob. You talk about his face melting away with age, John. You're very hard on him, um, and and you also talk to your rabbi, and you talk to Jeremy Weinstein, your best Scrabble friend. Um, they all, all, a lot of your favourite cast members are there. It is. It's. Uh, I like how I've got my own universe. It's like the Marvel universe, where, <laughs> like, to say you're watching, <laughs> you're watching whatever Black Widow is that one? Yeah, I don't know. You're watching Black Widow. But then suddenly Captain America's in there. In a sh it's like, oh, you know, just in a scene. So it's like I've got that except you know, my Black Widow is Father Bob. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think who my, who my uh, Wonder Woman is. Maybe, Michelle uh, Bennett, Michelle maybe. Bennett. I do recognise that there is still a group of people who don't believe us. That's fine, but I think there is time comes when we should have a conversations, which we should listen to our facts, we should acknowledge the fact that the science and the technology exist today, which did not exist five or ten years ago when you form your opinions and you're still defending today. And, you know, actually depriving uh, smokers and the society at large from access to the products which would improve the quality of life of all of those men and women who otherwise would continue smoking. So it's perfectly okay to disagree with us, but it's not perfectly okay to deprive yourself from the ability to have a dialogue with us, to listen, to have a conversations, to read our science. We know that our vision is right. The biggest impact PMI has on the society is to solve the problem of smoking. And the faster we recognize this whole thing and start working on strategies, the better we all together will be. 
Oh, by the way, what you said before, that just shows how I'm actually good for them in some ways because their, their whole thing is him talking about um, people shouldn't be denied an opportunity to hear the facts is basically them whining that the media has totally deplatformed them because they're seen as an evil cigarette company. Totally deplatformed by everyone except for me. I'm <laughs> I give them a platform and I let them explain their thing. So keep that in mind, Philip Morris. If you're thinking of having me killed, I'm the one guy who gave you a platform. So they probably like this in a way that I mean, in some twisted way, they're, they're probably happy that I'm getting it out there. You know that there's this product called an ICOS, and then people can type it in. Blah 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 blah. blah. And buy a, an illegal one in a Doncaster car park, like yourself. Well, you did tell me about it, John. I had no idea about ICOSs before this, and I had no idea about a lot of this stuff. And it's been fascinating to listen to the Philip Morris line and to hear the John Safran puff piece line. So thanks so much for coming on the podcast. No, thank you. Lots of fun to talk. Speakola. This is the time in the podcast where we think carefully about fruit. And I have someone here who likes fruit. What's your name? Jack Wilson. And what is your favourite fruit? Avocados. And that's why we did this ad. And what is your favourite type of avocado? Green skin and purple skin avocados. What can a green skin avocado do for your salad? Um, you could just... Make it, then put it in the salad, <laughs> and then, and then you can eat the salad. I go, yeah, no, no. and uh, that's what I love about red skin and purple skin avocados. They love avocados, Jack. Like you love, what's the thing that you love the best? Pancakes and strawberries and green skin and purple skin avocados. <laughs> so you'd say that. Green skin and purple skin avocados are right up there for you with with pancakes. Yeah. Would you ever put avocado on a pancake, Jack? That's a question. We can. So even though they're your favourite things, you wouldn't combine them together. Yes. Find out more, Jack, at their website, which is greenskinavocados.com.au, or check them out on. Facebook and Instagram. Good job, Jack. Well, that's it for the episode. John, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. We are doing a Wheeler Centre event together. The Wheeler Centre is a place where books and ideas are shared in Melbourne and we're doing an online video presentation that was meant to be in the Kyneton Town Hall, but it got moved as a result of lockdown and COVID to, to the Wheeler Centre. So look out for that online at wheelercentre.com.au. The book is Puff Piece, and it is fantastic. Released through Penguin Books. Look up Puff Piece, John Safran, and buy yourself a copy. Big thank you to David Bridie. You got your premiership. Melbourne are champions. David Bridie is happy, and he has created a wonderful theme song for us at Speakola. Thank you to everyone who's become a Patreon subscriber. If you're even half thinking about it, I'd love to get to 50 patrons. I'm on 35, need 15 more. You could just 
Open it up right now, patreon.com forward slash speakola. I'll give you a moment. Yep, now the page has come up. Yep, thanks. Thank you to Greenskin Avocados and the Podcast Reader, our sponsors for this episode, greenskinavocados.com.au and podread.org. If you go to podread.org forward slash speakola, you can get the three-month PDF subscription using the code speakola. And finally, thank you to the evil geniuses at Philip Morris. I'm not sure if thanks are the right words, but certainly what you are doing is weird and interesting enough to sustain a 300-page book and hopefully a one-hour podcast as well. So, JSEC, old check. Here's to the lies and the obfuscation. It's obfuscation, John. Obfuscation. <laughs>